0: we are so honored that you're here with us for season three we want to share connect and grow the paper flower community with you welcome to paper talk thank you for listening to this
1: episode of paper talk Today's episode is sponsored by Patron laura wheel we appreciate your donation and we're excited to keep creating content for the paper flower community if you're interested in supporting us head on over to the patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash paper talk and sign up as a patron we'll love to see you there
0: Welcome to a special episode of Paper Talk. Today we have with us Lauren and Leah Palmer of The Wild Mother, and they are florists out of Oklahoma. We are so excited to have them here to talk about their special project, Greenwood Memorial Project. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Leah. Hi, guys. Hi, thank you for having us. Can you tell our listener exactly
2: what Wild Mother is? We are a studio florist based in Oklahoma City, which is located on Kickapoo, Osage, Wichita, and Comanche Land here in the West Downtown District of Oklahoma City, which we're actually situated in Arts District, which is really fitting for our whole vibe because we like to create what we call floral stories for our clients and their events where we translate who they are into the actual arrangement and pieces that we install to their event days. And then occasionally throughout the year, we'll provide retail offerings depending on different holidays and things like that. So that's primarily what we do. We've been in business now for about eight years and working together as a team of three sisters. So that's the big
1: picture of the Wild Mother. I love that. That is so wonderful. and so happy to be connecting with other Oklahomans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you're Tulsa, yeah? Yeah, I am. I actually grew up in Tulsa, went to Union High School, went to college at Oklahoma State. I'm a cowgirl. Uh, And then actually got my graduate degree at Oklahoma City University, too. Oh, nice. Lots so of roots and yeah, you know the area super well. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs>
3: awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a cowgirl too. I got my masters at O State.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's a small world. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Okay. So I think the big questions that we want to ask you is how did you get involved with the green group rising?
3: We like everyone else in the world had a moment to really pause and be introspective as we planned for what would happen post-pandemic or when things started to really be warm and inviting again. Yes. (laughs) So as we were dreaming of ways that we could do art as medicine, um, this is something that we, a central tenet of our company, is to use art as medicine. We started thinking of ways that we could provide a requiem or memorial to communities that are either long overdue for that memorial or in present moments of grief. And we were super inspired in March of 2020 by an initiative from Yo-Yo Ma called Songs of Comfort, I think is what he called it. And Leah and I are we're musicians also. So we we performed an original song in It online and tagged, like, used his hashtag, and he shared it. And it was just, we got to be a part of this larger initiative that was all centered around healing. And it was so, so powerful. And we knew that the floral community was just as kindred as the performance community. And so we were sort of tinkering with how we could. Make make a community that like did art as medicine in the same way that we experienced with Yo-Yo Ma at the helm. So yeah. we, yeah, we were I don't know in some conversations with some friends, and they were like, "You girls should do it this spring," and it just all kind of like came together. So we reached out to the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission. It's a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And just asked them to just put us in, like, how can we be of service? And we were able to connect on ways that we could mobilize forests all over the world to send flowers to Greenwood for their centennial programming. So that's really how it got started. And this spring, we hit the ground running, doing some some messaging or sending out messaging that is Maybe a little different than the revisionist history of how Greenwood actually played out. but And then also just like calling florists and other artists of any medium to, yeah, come alongside of us to take part in collective healing. So that's essentially how we jumped in.
1: Wonderful. For those that do not know the 1912 massacre, can you give a story on how, what happened and why we are commemorating this? Because it's such an important history that a lot of Oklahomans do not know about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I think I'm putting myself back in that time in March last year and remembering how frustrated I was. I'm a researcher by nature and I love to dig into history and stories and find all of the nuances. And I was really struggling with finding out the information that I needed about the Greenwood Massacre of 1921 because it was so hidden. And a lot of the history that remains is oral history passed down through the descendants of victims of the massacre. Yeah. I mean, there are even spaces in Tulsa. Well, let me back up and tell the story. So in 1921, before before that year, Black people were moving to Tulsa because they were seeking refuge from the really dark and traumatic history of slavery in the Deep South where their ancestors were enslaved. In fact, there are stories in our own family of people leaving Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, to flee the potential lynchings that they were facing. There's an ancestor who actually left Mississippi on horseback, dressed like his mom, to take on the appearance of a woman so that he wouldn't be as much threatened as he felt like he was by this potential lynch mob following him. So there are stories like that of in black families that ended up in Oklahoma. Oklahoma was also a a place that felt, sort of like flex area. It was a territory that had only reached statehood like 10 years before then. And before that, you had displaced indigenous people moving to Oklahoma after their own massacres or experiencing massacres at the hands of white supremacy. So this land was... Kind of like a refugee camp, if you think of it that way, people sort of just coming in and trying to pick up their pieces and live lives and build homes and have families here. So in the midst of that, there was a man who bought about 40 acres in Tulsa in the north, north side of Tulsa. And he started selling that land to his Black community and his friends. And they were building homes and creating businesses. And it was incredibly successful. So that's sort of the backdrop of 1921, this booming, successful Black town, among other Black towns in Oklahoma, like Boley and Langston, these Black people were thriving, and the way that so far my history and research has taken me shows that there was sort of a like a land issue in Tulsa between white people and Black people. White people needed access to some of the resources that were on Greenwood. It was just a good space to be in, but there was lack of access because all of these Black people had moved there. So there were some tensions already growing in Tulsa between Blacks and whites. But these Black people in Tulsa were really good at defending themselves and their property. Until this moment, at the end of May in 1921, a young man named Dick Rowland, who's a Black boy, he was actually a teenager, and his suspected lover, Sarah Page, who was a white young woman, had an incident. No one really knows what happened, but she ended up screaming out in an elevator of this hotel. And that sort of sparked everything. It was, I mean, kind of like a tinderbox, like... (laughs) tensions were so high that something so small just became total destruction in Greenwood. Dick Rowland ended up in the the county jail and a white mob actually gathered around the jail that night and they were rallying, protesting in front of the jail. There was a group of black men who came from Greenwood knowing that Dick was there and they actually wanted to sort of see if if the sheriff, if the jail needed help protecting the perimeter. There was a lot of like protection. These black men in Tulsa were actually known for leaving Tulsa to go to other areas where massacres were happening and helping black towns outside of Tulsa protect themselves. So that was kind of a posture of the men of Greenwood. So they were asking, can we help protect? Of course the law enforcement were like, no, we've got it. And depending on who you ask, Some will say that law enforcement allowed the massacre to sort of take place and get out of control. Others will say that it was just already amped up. It was gonna happen no matter what. But before you knew it, that white mob had grown so big that it had overpowered any protections in place, and 40 square blocks of Greenwood eventually burned to the ground. People were displaced from their homes, from their families. There are there are recollections in oral history of bombs being dropped over the area from planes. Lots of just madness. And the aftermath was horrible. People were living in tents and having to leave town. So that history has been so
1: hidden and I cannot believe how hidden it is. Like, I know every Oklahoman, we're taught Oklahoma history. Yeah. And nothing has been discussed or talked about. It just blows my mind how easy it is to cover history. And yeah. I think that's one reason why we need to put our voice out today to talk about this and to recall this traumatic massacre because it's unbelievable that it's so easy to hide.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't there have been like newspapers like publishing this and talking what happened about to it to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it must have been some active cover-up in order for it to completely disappear when there were so many black people in that community yeah. who witnessed it and then later on you like spread across I'm, a, I'm sure the United States to move elsewhere with the same stories Absolutely. so and I don't know what the history is now but like Quinn was explaining to me like you wouldn't have been able to tell that there was this community there so I assumed, I mean mm-hmm. it got completely I, I don't know who who lives there now like, so what happened after Gutburn and people moved away? Like, were people moving back in? Were they Black communities moving back in, or were they white people moving back in? Or what, what exactly happened to? for this community to totally just disperse and disappear from history. Well, it's it's very eerie actually
2: driving through North Tulsa now. You can't really tell and I'm sure Quinn, you growing up in Tulsa could speak to this, but you can't really tell that that infrastructure was so widespread. Mm-hmm. I think there's one central street that still stands. In fact, the Drexel building where the elevator incident happened is still standing, but you can't really tell. I think you're talking about newspapers and messaging. Like, how do you how do you erase a story? Language is really important here. Immediately, newspapers started framing this as a race riot and not as a massacre. And that is a sticking point right now that we have to be careful about. This was a massacre, not a riot. Riot implies that people are so fed up that they burned down their own town to make a point. And that is not what happened. These men were trying to protect themselves. That's huge. I think that that message though, going out, not only on the local level in newspapers, but also nationally, was a really easy way to dismiss what happened. But also, we know that before 1921, there was a moment called the Red Summer, which actually lasted a string of years, but it was really at its height in 1919, where there was just lots of these massacres and destruction of Black towns and communities all across the U.S., So when you think about people who were recently enslaved, like the people in Greenwood would have known their grandparents or even parents who were enslaved just recently within that generation. And you have the You have people crippled by being enslaved, then trying really hard to get on their feet and then being burned down and knocked down again. I think that what happened in the psyche of black people was let's just stay quiet and let's just go about our business and take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that you might have had people who were too tired to try to make a fuss. Too traumatized. Too traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there were people, there, like the mm-hmm. poet who wrote the Negro National
1: Anthem.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: Let me get this right. Dunbar. It's just unbelievable to me. To hear about this. I mean, I brought it up with my high school friends and because we all grew up together and we're like, this history, this is unbelievable to us that yeah. it was never talked about. Yeah. And w- yes, we talked about the Indians, Trails of Tears, but nothing about this African-American history that was just so traumatizing and just mm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we're talking about this.
2: Yeah, me too. I, I mean, thank you for like creating space to talk yeah. about this on your platform. I think that that... You know, we're, we talk about how art is medicine, but also, you know, in order to show up in that space in May and bring like send flowers to Greenwood, we have to be educating the people who are going to help us get there with, through fundraising or through even just volunteering, showing up to support the Wild Mother in our efforts. And so this is an incredible opportunity for us as the floral community to push against like hidden history and push against silenced people groups whose stories need to be told in order for them to not be repeated. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to just educate. And then from that space of knowing the truth, being able to offer some sort of outpouring of medicine and beauty, it's really a special place to be in.
3: Can you tell us a little bit about the memorial project? And the timeline and time frame? On May 10th, we are launching the send flowers to hashtag from our social media platforms. So the way that that will look is we will create a piece. Actually, there are three of us designers that are central at this studio. So there will be three pieces that'll go out. One's created by myself and then Leah and Callie is our other sister. So there will be a series and we are dedicating it to Greenwood and we're I'm calling all floral designers and any other artists to do the same. So to create work that is dedicated to Greenwood and then use the hashtag send flowers to Greenwood. And there are a few other hashtags that we have generated. They're all on our website, thewildmother.com slash Send Flowers To. That's where you can find all of the information. And we have been updating as we get new information or as the project grows. So between May 10th and June 7th, we hope that the floral community and the art community at large will use that hashtag and that the outpouring will be robust. Mm-hmm. Then on the ground, the Wild Mother and a collection of other floral designers, and both fresh and paper will work together in Tulsa to install three large-scale floral installations. So there are three events that we're really excited about providing floral for in partnership with that 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission. So the first is on May 31st and it is, it kind of kicks everything off. May 31st is the actual anniversary of the, the beginning of all of the unrest in Greenwood and that one is a ceremony that is at the Driller Stadium in Tulsa and it's outdoor and our understanding that it's going to be televised and so the world can watch along and part in this memorial with, with Tulsa and then the second day is June 2nd and that is the dedication of Greenwood Rising, a new memorial museum and it's going to work through the history and storytelling but then also there's lots of interactive um, parts of this museum we're super excited about that and and then the third is the dreamland concert am i getting that right Mm -hmm. dreamland on june 5th yeah dreamland again dreamland again Mm -hmm. that's right
2: and because dreamland was a movie theater in greenwood Mm -hmm. that was the name of of a black-owned movie theater so yeah
3: this is a concert. Yeah, in memorial of that of that space, and that hub of community. So that will happen on June 5th. And what we're learning is that that stage will be shared by many acts over the, the span of a day. So we'll be there installing on the stage. And yeah, we're just, we're really excited. And all, all the while, we'll be updating people on the activity on the ground. So yeah that's those those are the the plans thus far and and you too will be with us, right?
0: Um, I will be there for sure. I, yeah. I unfortunately will not be able to travel because I'm in Toronto, Canada. Oh, right. yeah, okay. and the yeah. borders not open yet and the borders no they won't oh, well, I mean yeah. they technically would let me out and come back in, but there's a lot of tests and then I need to quarantine and you probably don't want me there. I'll have to arrive like a week earlier or something. So, but you know, I trust Quinn and Quinn's got, we're rallying our troops too. And we've got some fantastic, we have our community's fantastic and a lot of them want to be involved. So it's going to be, I think, a great experience on the ground as well. And they'll meet you guys and yeah. you guys will be able to interact with some of the paper florists too.
1: Jesse, will you tell our listener how we got involved and how we were looped
0: into this? Oh, yes. We were approached by Amy McGee of Botanica Bruhaha and Sue. McLaren of Passion Flower Soup. I mean, Quinn and I were both lucky to have connected with Amy previously because I was on her podcast to promote my book, Paper Flower Art. And since then, Amy has been just an amazing supporter of our Paper Flower community. Like whenever opportunities arise, she's always thinking about how, you know, she can incorporate us or, I mean, when I had my conversation with her at the beginning, we realized that both of our communities and industries could solve each other's problems. That's essentially why it was a perfect collaboration it, because, you know, for florists can struggle with fresh flowers and there are some limitations and likewise with paper and our customers just love fresh flowers so it just made sense that we could help each other and yeah and so amy amy reached out to us and introduced us to you guys and once they talked about once i started talking about the project quinn was like oh my god i'm from Tulsa," and it just clicked it was just it made sense right it was like of all of the the places and locations of the this memorial centennial project could be located it happened to be in her uh, hometown so yeah it was just it just kind of made sense you know from one project to the next to the next and here we are so I mean I'm from Canada and I don't know too much about American history, but, you know, I can imagine that this is a really big deal for you guys. I mean, this is really American history and having Americans on board to share this and spread the word of what has happened and what, and like you said, learn from it and heal from it. I think it's so powerful. So we're, we're just very thankful that, that we're, you know, our little community is yeah. part of it.
1: If you are a paper artist and you want to be involved with this particular project, we put together a tutorial. We're asking all of our paper artists to recreate a white lily that will be submitted and sent to Tulsa. Well, we're going to send it to Oklahoma City to Wild Mother Studio first, where they will transport it over to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then we'll have a small army of paper artists (laughs) that will come and make sure we'll attach all the different leaves and then put the insulation together and install it into Greenwood Rising, which is the museum. And it'll be indoors, so your paper flower will be protected. We have actually, we have some key people already in place to help manage the volunteer part for sitting in the flowers and also for if you're going to be on the ground in Tulsa. We also have that going too, but we're going to be releasing more information Mm -hmm. as the week is coming along and we'll be posting the free tutorial on YouTube. So you can look at it, create it. We're asking it to be a realistic of white lily color and size, and we'll have more information for you in a little bit. Yeah. So we're so excited to be able to put this together and we're working with Amy and with Sue trying to figure out the right design to make sure that all the brush and paper flow together in one voice and not be disconnected. So yeah. yeah, we're very excited about this.
2: It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. When we talked with Amy and Sue who have been working with us to drum up support like from you all and from other sources, like they're just incredible yeah. bringing people along into yeah. a vision. So they've been on what we're calling our fundraising and which is just a few really good friends who are working to, to support this vision. But when, when they told us about you guys, we were just like blown away. First of all, by your artistry, which is incredible. I have never seen a paper flower look like that before. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Guys, it's so cool. And then we were also just like the same feeling that you felt like this just makes sense. Knowing the connections back to Tulsa and that shared experience of, wow, this is American history that's been hidden. In some ways you feel a little bit, bit betrayed maybe by the systems of education that you were in if you don't learn these really important things so knowing that we shared that we were immediately like oh this is incredible (laughs) we cannot wait to meet you all in person and the small army of paper flower artists and to get connected. So thank you so much for being a part of these volunteers who were just pouring into Greenwood mm-hmm. and actually doing, like taking the vision of sending flowers to Greenwood to a whole other level that Lauren and I never initially could have imagined. Mm-hmm. It's so special.
1: Yeah, we're so mm-hmm. excited. For those that if you can't make a paper flower, can you tell about how they can actually help in other ways like sending money to this fundraiser? Where do they need to go and where's the money going to?
2: Yeah. So the fundraiser is set up because we actually are volunteering all of our time and materials too. We told the Centennial Commission right off the bat that we wanted to be of service to them. So we think that our work there in Tulsa will be valued somewhere around $50,000. And so we need to, we have the fundraising committee in place and, and a GoFundMe in place to help offset some of those costs. Just basic things to support our volunteers, like an Airbnb and meals while we're in town or roughly 12 days and some floral materials and things like that that we need to make this whole vision come to life. We also have a few sponsors who are really... stepping up to support with actual goods. Like there's a farm who has donated, it's called the floral source or the flower source, who is donating blooms to us to give to the descendants of victims of the Greenwood Massacre. So we'll be making hand-tied bouquets to share with them. So everyone's just sort of pitching in to make sure that this vision comes to life. We have a GoFundMe campaign up right now. You can Google it. It's hashtag send flowers to Greenwood. Or you can also find links on our Instagram and our website so that you can support that fundraising effort. And then if you are wary of sending money over GoFundMe, you can also send a check to our studio in Oklahoma City. The address is 629 West Sheridan Avenue, Suite 102. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73102. And all of that information is on our website and things like that. So you can send checks there. And yeah, we'll be listing all of our sponsors on t-shirts and places like that so that everyone knows that this is not just the Wild Mother. Yeah. <laughs> this is a huge community effort and industry effort to make it happen. So yeah, those are the ways that you can support. We also need little things. If you'd like to be a part of more practical applications, Applications. We've created an Amazon wish list of things that will go into our Airbnb, like granola bars, things like that. <laughs> you can order on Amazon and send right to us to take. And also we're looking for a few volunteers to help us with some other like niche, I don't know, skills that mm-hmm. they might have. We're looking for someone to help us with executing our marketing strategies and other things like that. Photographers
3: would be really helpful. Was there some other... We were looking for a coordinator... Um, yeah. On, I think, the second day. Yeah. 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 June 2nd um, in Tulsa. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, if you have like specific skills that you think would lend themselves, or like Quinn and Jesse, who said, we're paper flower artists, how, you know, we can support in this way you hadn't thought of, you can send an email to sendflowers2 at thewildmother.com and share that idea with us. We think the more the merrier. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We're so excited to be part of this. And we are drumming as much community support as possible to bring love and support to you guys in end of May and beginning of June. It's going to be really, really amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank, Thank you so excited. much. Yeah, it's so meaningful. So we'll have more information on our show notes and we're going to end the podcast with one of our regular questions. As you make flowers in general, <laughs> what do you drink and do you listen to anything or can you able to watch anything or putting flowers together? Yeah,
3: I'll go first. Yeah, I man, OK, so I know that I'm supposed to be drinking like way more water. Um, (laughs) but so i'll like squeeze a little lemon in my water but i also love steamed oat milk with honey and cinnamon in it it's like so nostalgic and then we do so we do listen to podcasts like the daily and there's some really cool podcasts out of the new york times that we really love but Honestly, if it's a really long processing day, we will we have like a little screen for all of our proposals. It's, it's, like, it's just a flat screen TV <laughs> that's in our studio. And it also plays Disney Plus. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> <laughs> the last movie we watched was Anastasia. and yes, I love all.
2: that one. <laughs> just like play little throwbacks. In yeah <laughs> it's really fun yeah yeah it passes the time pretty happily mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I'm like you I should be drinking more water but on those really rough like you know it's gonna be a long day of work I love to go to class and coffee which is right around the corner from us in Oklahoma I know that one you. You? yes <laughs> I kind of like get one or two things It's either their oat chai or their oat matcha. And Mm. that will set me all day. And then if we're not watching Anastasia, (laughs) (laughs) I really love it when I love 80s rock bands. So... I have an 80s playlist that we will cycle through featuring
3: mostly Journey. She's obsessed. Yes. <laughs> I'm obsessed
2: with Journey. I'm obsessed with Journey. And I love like the backstory of like Steve Perry and Neil Sean. I'm kind of a nerd about it. <laughs> I love that.
1: So how is it working with all three sisters working under one roof? Do you have sibling rivalries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like family
2: and business, they're two, you kind of have to just keep them in separate categories yeah. and, you know, respect, respect the businesswoman. And then when you leave the door, then you can respect the sister. Yeah, that's kind of the way that it has to work. But it's a lot of extra relational work than I think any other workspace I've ever been in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can say that I think we end up with so much meaningful things or so many meaningful things to share mm-hmm. because we are so deep in relationship with each other. Yeah. And we can be so honest with each other that the storytelling that we do in our in our work is just rich. And yeah.
3: I, I love oh, I'm so jealous. I, it's I also have That's three so sisters,
1: too. <laughs> I'm the middle child oh, of the sisters.
3: Yeah.
1: I know you quit. Yes, connect. Know you. <laughs> it's so sad. My brother is the youngest. He's the baby. And he's always going to have three older sisters yelling at him all the time. <laughs>
3: We have two younger brothers and they are, I think a lot of people just assume that it's just the three girls. And then when they see family photos, they're like, wait, you guys have brothers? But anyway, they, a few times every wedding season, they'll like pitch in and carry heavy things. Hey, that's what brothers are for. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Early on in business as sisters, we used, you know, those like the personality tools that, that help you like research and study personality. They have proven to be invaluable Mm -hmm. in our business to like understand, like Leah was mentioning, like understanding the businesswoman and understanding the sister and knowing how to compartmentalize the, the two. They're very like special and sacred spaces Mm -hmm. but yeah it's been really interesting i'm on the enneagram scale i'm a four wing five and leah's a seven
1: i'm a seven too oh my god
2: (laughs) (laughs) and jesse's a five (laughs) you're a five wing eight so i feel that in business the the eight comes out in business a lot Mm -hmm. and the seven comes out in like big ideas and creativity and it's a fun mix but yeah we balance each other so well. Totally, It's cool.
3: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Love
2: that.
1: Oh my gosh. We have so much in common.
3: I know. It's so funny <laughs> and awesome. I know. I can't wait to Just meet you in person. I know. Get together. We got yeah. our vaccine on Saturday, the first day. And the second is... April 24th yeah oh, um, wow yeah so we're I mean obviously like COVID protocols are still in place like masking and all of that stuff but it there's like an extra like freedom I feel that's coming you know yes like, um,
1: I can't wait
3: yeah. and not be like super nervous about cashing something you know? <laughs> Exactly.
1: exactly <laughs> peace of mind If you're looking for a way to support us, please hit subscribe and write us a review. We would appreciate it
3: so much.